Hello, I'm Jonathan Barbie, pastor at Spring Branch Baptist Church in Nichols, South Carolina. Our mission here at Spring Branch is to love people and lead people to Christ. I want to invite you to come visit our church, and I want to invite you to visit our website. Our website is www.springbranchbc.com. I hope that today God will richly encourage you through His Word. telling you, when I sat in that car that day, that was the most helpless time I'd ever felt in my life. Here was somebody I saw that could help me, that had the resources to help me, had the power to do something about it, and him just look away and drive off. You ever felt like God's done that to you? You got into a situation that seemed like things collapsed or crashed around you. You called out to the name of the Lord. You knew he was there. You know you cried to him. You know he heard you. And you know he has the power to do something about it. But for some reason, you felt like God just walked away. I'll share that with you this morning because that's the, text, that's the context of this passage tonight. Israel, a nation in exile from Babylonian captivity had been sent away from their homes. Their homes had been destroyed. Their places, their churches had been obliterated. There was no churches where they'd worship and they grew up their whole life were now gone. And now they were living in exile under the control of another nation that destroyed their homes, that destroyed their churches. And they're crying out to God. God, look at where we are. Everything around us is gone, God. And you just left us here. And God, we feel like you just have forgotten us. I want to read the passage. I want you to actually not just hear me tell you that. I want you to hear them say it themselves. Will you stand with me in reverence to reading God's word? It's Isaiah 40. 27 says this. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known, or have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Thou shalt run and not be weary. Thou shalt walk and not faint. You can be seated. Will you pray with me? Lord, um, there's the people here tonight, Lord, that what I just described is the way they feel right now. God, they feel like they've cried out to you, and you've just turned away. Feel like you don't hear their prayers anymore. Feel like they can't sense your presence in their life anymore. God, things have collapsed around them. They desperately need you. God, I pray that as you gave hope and a word to your people, Israel, God, would you give a word to your people tonight? 
at your grave. That every heart that's represented, every soul that's here tonight, that God, you speak directly to in a clear and precise way. God, may they sense tonight that you're speaking directly to the needs of their life tonight. Lord, I'm so unworthy to be your servant. I don't deserve to be standing here, nevertheless, to be delivering your word. But God, you've chosen me for this hour. God, through my weaknesses, God, may you be glorified. God, to give me strength to say and speak, not my words, Lord, but yours. So God, use me in a way that I can't do on my own. And may you speak in power, and may your glory fall upon us tonight. In your name we pray. What you see in verse 27 gives us a picture of how Israel felt. It says here in the verse, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? The Hebrew word for the, the way there is a word called derek. And the understanding is it can be translated as a way or path. And so what they're saying is, God, we believe you've forgotten how to get to us. God, we have gone out from Jerusalem into exile in Babylon, and we're living in slavery, we're living under torture, we're living in exile, we're living in a time of collapse when everything's falling apart. Sounds a lot like America, doesn't it? And God, it seems that you've forgotten how we've gotten here. Therefore, God, you don't know how to get to where we are. God, the path to me is hidden from not only that, they said, God, I feel like, listen to the words it says in verse 27, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God. The word for disregarded is mispah. And that's used in Genesis a lot. And the word is, is translated as justice. And so they're saying here that, that God, you, have, you no longer have regard for our justice. You know what they mean by that? God, it doesn't, you're no longer treating us fair. God, it doesn't seem like you're treating me fairly. You, you sent me to Babylon. You put me in exile. They're torturing me, and I'm supposed to be your child, and you're not doing anything about it, Lord. God, it doesn't seem like you're fair. You ever felt like that? And you look out the people in your life, you look out across the table in the person in your Sunday school class, and they talk about the victories that God is delivering them through. And you're sitting there in misery, begging God to do something in your life. And it doesn't seem like God knows where you are. And you look across and say, but God, you do it for them. Why not for me, God? Why not for me? God, it doesn't seem fair that I'm supposed to be your child. You're supposed to always be with me. Be my shepherd that leads me. God, I don't sense you at all. That's the way Israel felt. I want you to see what God said to them in his response to their statements. He says in verse 28, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God. The 
creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He says, responds to them in several ways, and he really responds by reminding them who he is. He first and foremost tells them and reminds them of his presence. He says in verse the first part of 28, have you not known? Have you not heard? And you know what he's reminding them there? Hey, this information you have heard and you have known. Number one, the first part there, he reminds them of the Lord is the everlasting God. You know what he says in, he's saying to them? Israel, before you went in captivity and you were in the security of your home, and everything was good, and you had the comfort of your air conditioning, you had the comfort of your church, you had awesome praise music, and you felt my presence. Israel, I was the everlasting God then. And Israel, when Babylon came in, and they destroyed your home, and they destroyed your churches, and they destroyed your worship, and they carried you off to exile into their country to be slaves, just as I was your God, an everlasting God. When you're at home, I'm still the same God today. And folks, it's the same with us. You know, the same God that two years ago or three years ago or six years ago or 10, 20 years ago that you called on to the name of the Lord and said, God, I need you. I've never given my life to you, but God, I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I want to worship you with my life. And that night when you called upon him, he came down from heaven, stepped out of heaven and stepped in your heart and he forgave you of your sins and you knew, Lord, like you never knew the Lord before. You were able to worship the Lord like you never have worshiped the Lord. The same God who was there then is the same God who is still today. Even in the midst of your despair, he's never changed. He says, I'm an everlasting God. But not only that, he reminds him of his control. Listen to what he says there. The creator of the ends of the earth. Now, I don't know if your mama ever did this. You ever got in trouble with your mama? Two ways you knew your mama was in trouble. You knew your mama was in trouble. I was in trouble with my mama. She said, Jonathan Michael Barbie. I mean, she said, Jonathan Michael Barber, you knew you were like inches away from a butt whooping. I mean, you're going to get it. Or daddy's going to get it to one. But you ever, if it really got really bad, your mama said this, son, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. Has your mama ever said that to y'all? Some of y'all testifying right now. Amen. Yeah, yeah. What is she saying to you? She's saying what? I had part of what? Bringing you into this world. And I had control of it then, and guess what? I still got control of you today. That's what she was, the message she is sending to you. And that's the message that God was sending to Israel. Israel, I brought you to be my people. Israel, I chose you to be my people. And Israel, just as much as I was in control when I chose you from all the nations of the world, Israel, I'm still in control. And listen to me today. The Bible says he knew you and what? In your mother's womb. And just as much as he was in control then of your birth, he is still in control today right where you are. And he goes on further. And I'll go quickly through this. He not only tells them, reminds them of his presence, his control. He reminds them of his power. I love this part. The Bible says in verse 28, the Lord is everlasting God. The creator is the ends of the world, uh, ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. God doesn't ever get tired. Isn't that awesome? That he never gets weary. He never gets faint. He never gets tired of you and I. 
That's right. You ever got tired of your youngins? I mean, you just go find a Wii or something. You know, Xbox, just, you know, I need a break. You're wearing me down. Come on, y'all be honest. Some of y'all are like, no, not me. I just love my children. They're just angels. And I know your grand, you're all your grandparents are like, yes, they're just, they're just pure and holy. They fly on wings. I mean, but this best time, hey, even you grandparents, what do you do? You load them up chocolate and you're like, go on, take them home. <laughs> right? You need a break. Woo, need nap time for me, not for them. Um, listen to me tonight. Even in our whining and complaining. When we look at God and through all the things he's done for us, and we look at him just at Israel and say, God, where are you? God, you're not being fair. God, you don't know where I am. And we whine and complain. And by the way, why was Israel where they were? It wasn't God who left. It was Israel who left. And let me just make this side note. This is free of charge. Many times we get more focused on the circumstances of our sin than focusing on the real thing, and that's our sin. And that was Israel. God, why me? And the whole reason that we're where we are is because we have sin in our life that we don't want to deal with. And you know what? And through it all, God never gets tired of us. He never says, you know what? I've had enough of them. They just keep running away. They keep running to these other gods and these other idols. And I tell you, if that's what they want, they can have it. No. We have a God who never gets tired, never grows weary. He not only tells us that, but lastly, he reminds them of his understanding. Listen to this. The Bible says um, in verse, he does not grow faint or weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. Romans eleven thirty three says this. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable is his ways. Psalm 139, 6. Such knowledge too wonderful for me. It is high and I can't attain it. We have a God that is omnipresent he has um, he's there he's everlasting he's in control he has great power no matter how far we think he doesn't understand listen to me he understands exactly what's going on in your life even more than you can even understand and let me say it this way too he's doing things in your life right now you have no idea. You could check me, back me up with scripture, but every time Israel got away from God and he rebuked them and sent them in exile, he already had a plan of bringing them back home. And right now, right where you are, whether you see it or not, he's already at work to bring you back. I want you to see what else he says to them in this passage. The Bible says, this God who um, 
is everlasting, who was there in the very beginning and who is still today. This God who is in control because he created this. This God who has power, who never gets tired of us. This God who has this amazing understanding, tells you and I and tells the forgotten tonight, listen, I want to give you something. What does he say he wants to give us? He declares to you and I in verse 29, he, listen, gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Listen to me tonight. You feel like God's abandoned you. You feel like God's forgotten you. You feel like you don't have any more strength to go further. Let me tell you tonight, the God who was there from the very beginning, the God who created you, who is in control, the God who is all-powerful and never gets weary of you, the God who has ways that are higher than your ways is the God who wants to give you strength tonight. You ever fainted? Some of y'all, you're fainted in your life. Some of you, you, you around my age, you young ladies, first time you saw kid, new kids on the block, oh, passed out. Backstreet boys, you know, something like that. You know, Elvis, I don't know. Um, oh, somebody, I saw a, foot, a fish pump. I went, said, yeah. Mitch and Elvis got real excited out there. Um, I, personally, I never fainted that way. I have fainted, but it wasn't like when I saw somebody, all right? I was in high school, played tennis, played a lot of sports, tennis, basketball. Um, about anything I could play, I would play. And so I was always really, really good shape because I was very, very, very active. Um, but, man, I remember I was a junior, senior in high school, and I got that wretched stomach bug. Okay, I'm not going to say much more about that because I had a preacher class one time, Preacher Jerry. It says two things you never mentioned, and one of them is the bathroom. But all I got to say, it was bad. Okay, you know what I mean. Okay, and I remember going to the bathroom. I'm going to mention anything, but trying to come out of the bathroom, and next thing I know, I woke up and like had the little, you know, you always have to have the nice little rugs in the bathroom. You know, I remember just waking up and here's this like nice rug on my face. I was like, what happened? Well, I passed out. Why did I pass out? I passed out because I had no more fluids in my body. I mean, I was done. And because I had no fluids in my body, as much as I was strong and I was in shape and I had endurance from running and doing all these things, and I thought I was strong when I had no more energy in my body, guess what? I fainted. I collapsed. And the Bible is giving the illustration here that God wants to give strength to the spiritually fainted. Those who have nothing left in the tank. Who seems like all the spiritual energy that you once had, all the strength that you once had in the Lord, and you used to be so strong and you thought, man, there's nothing I cannot do for God. Now you feel like it's all gone. And you found yourself spiritually laying down on the floor, looking up to God and saying, God, I can't do this. And the Bible says he wants to give you power. And not only he wants to give you power, but he wants to give those who have no more strength power. He says, listen to this, to him who has no might, he increases strength. Those who say, you know what, God, I have Nothing left to give you, God. I'm done. No more strength. No more power. God says he wants to give you strength. 
Now, I'm really going to, I don't, you may not like what I'm about to tell you, but when I discovered this in the Word of God, I just about had a, a run and spell myself. <laughs> I want you to go back with me to verse 26. Now, please follow me. If you have your Bibles, follow me here. The Bible says that they're describing God all through Isaiah 40. And in verse 26, he says, I'm going to read it. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts by the number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. You know what God is talking about? He's talking about the stars in the sky. And he tells Israel, Israel, go outside and look into the sky and see all the stars and wonder who put those stars there. He says, Israel, you know who put the stars there? It was me. And you know, the same might that I used to put the star in the sky and the same power that I uphold them and the same power that I use to make sure not one of them is out of the place, that is the same power and that is the same strength that I want to give you, Israel. And listen to me tonight. You are just as important to the stars to God. And in those times, you don't feel like you have nothing left. And spiritually, you feel like you have fainted. Same power that he used to put the stars in the sky is the same power that he wants to give you to rise up. The same strength that he gave the star that got a little bit out of place. To bring it back in its place and to shine it bright again is the same strength that he wants to give to you. Isn't that beautiful, folks? The same God who is so mighty to number the stars is the same God who cares about you and I. I want to, one warning in this passage that Isaiah goes on, and I think it's important for us to look at tonight. The next verse, he, he gives warning to Israel. So what he says here, even the youth shall faint and be weary, but young men shall fall exhausted. His warning to Israel is this, all man's strength will fail. You notice the passage there, he says, even the youth shall faint. He doesn't say even the youth may faint every once in a while, or maybe after a couple of years, maybe through time. No, he says, even the youth, what? Shall faint. It's going to happen. And he also says, and be weary. Young men, what? They shall fall exhausted. Hey, you don't wonder if it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know what he's telling to Israel? Israel, I'm sure there was some in Israel, and they're in exile, and they said, you know what? I'm big and bad and tough, and you know what? God may have put me here, but I'm going to make the best of it, and I'm strong, and I can handle it, and I don't care what God has to say. I'll sit where I sit, and I'll take it, and I'll rise up in my own strength, and I will get through this whether God ever steps in or not. And he says to those, listen, you will fall. It's not a matter of when. You cannot do it on your own. You know, it kind of reminded me one of the coolest stories in all the Bible. There's a lot of cool stories in the Bible. But Samson. Here's Samson. God chose him. Um, his parents chose to set him apart. And they gave him a Nazaretic vow where he chose not to, to drink any wine or eat certain foods. Also to never cut his hair. And, and he chose to do that. And because of that, 
Samson was a man who had extraordinary strength. The coolest stories in the Bible is when the Philistines came against him, and there were a thousand of them. And Samson picked up a, a jawbone of a donkey. Okay, imagine that. That's a real choice weapon. And he picked up the jawbone and beat 1,000 men down with one jawbone. Now, that's a pretty tough guy, if you ask me. I always wondered, and maybe this is my weird sense of humor, what was number 999 thinking? You know, <laughs> 999, I mean, the last guy, number 1,000 is like 999 dead, but I still got a chance, you know. <laughs> I think I can take him. Um, but, but here's this guy. I mean, he's wiped out all these people. He is superhuman strength, man. I mean, he could take out some bad dudes. And guess what ruined it? One woman. It's supposed to be a joke. Ladies, you're supposed to laugh. It was just a joke. Some of y'all are thinking, yeah, that's right. It was one woman. <laughs> a thousand men couldn't do it, but it only took one woman. I know what y'all are thinking. Some of you ladies. Uh-huh. That's right. I see what you're saying. See, they always got to throw us under the bus somehow, don't they? But... One lady by the name of Delilah came along. She deceived him, persuaded him. And this almighty, humanly powerful man, what? Fell. Lost all his strength. Couldn't do it anymore. Let me tell you, folks, and I'm not trying to be a prophet. If you're here tonight... And you look at me and you're looking at this church stuff and you say, you know what, I don't need God. I can live my life the way I'm going to live it. It's worked out so far. And it'll be okay. Young man, young lady, I'm not trying to be ugly. But listen to me. You're going to fall. You're going to fall on your face. Folks, I've been, I'm a young pastor. But I have seen some strong men. Crying and weeping at a hospital where God had brought them to their knees. Don't let it be you. You will fall. And folks, another word for you and I Christians. You've trusted in the Lord. But listen to me. Some of you right now are not trusting in God's strength. You're trusting in your own strength. And you continue to do it. And you're going to fall on your face. It's not a warning for those who are rebellious. But it's a warning for you and I too. It's a warning for Israel. Lastly, how do we receive this great power? Verse 31, he explains to how we do this. Even the youth shall faint, verse 30, and be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. It's just a comparison. Hey, those who rebel and rely on their own strength, they're going to fall. But... They who wait on for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Thou shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. How do we receive his power and his strength that he uses for the stars? We receive it, listen to me, very simply, by waiting on the Lord. Any of y'all have a weight problem? tough, isn't it? Waiting on the Lord. 
Oswald was a, is a commentary, he's a scholar, and he wrote on this passage. And he wrote that waiting on God implies two things, and I think his principles are so clear and so precise. I want to share those with you. A, waiting on God implies two things. One, a dependence on him. When we say, God, I want to wait on you and your strength and your power in my life, we're first saying to God, God, my strength is not cutting it anymore. I can't do it on my own anymore. Therefore, God, I'm going to wait on you. Therefore, I'm waiting on and depending on your strength, not my own. Go back to the story of Samson. Samson lost it all. You remember what happened? They took him into their corpse, and they began mocking Samson and his gods. They said, let's bring Samson out, this all-powerful one who's killed a thousand, and we will mock him and his god. They brought Samson out. Samson laid beside two pillars. And you know what Samson did? He cried out to the Lord. He said this, Oh God, oh Lord God, please remember me. And please, what? Strengthen me only this once. Oh God, that I may avenge the Philistines my two eyes. What he called upon? The Lord. You know what he said right then? Lord, I trusted myself all these years. And God, look where it's brought me. God, now I'm waiting on you. God, I need not my strength. I need you, God. Let me ask you a question tonight. When's the last time in the situation that you're in right now? you just sit with your Bible and pray and say, God, I need you. God, I need you. And God, no matter how long it takes, I'm going to wait on you. That's the second part of it. Oswald says that it declares or it implies that we depend on, on him, but also it implies a willingness to allow him to decide the terms. God, I depend on you. Depend on your strength, but God, I'm willing for you to have your way in me. I don't know about you, but I've had the privilege of meeting several people who came to know the Lord and were addicted to drugs. And God saved them and God delivered them from the drugs. We know a great friend of mine, his name's Dennis Long, man of the Lord, was dealing crack. Long hair, walking down the streets of Durham, walked by a church. Pastor came out, talked to him, said, how are you doing, man? And, and just shared with him. Said, I want to pray for you. Prayed for him, went home, got under the conviction of the Lord, Holy Spirit. That night, bent down on his knees, went back to the church. Received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. God delivered him right then from the heroin, from the crack, everything he was on. Never touched it again. And you know what? When we wait on the Lord and we trust in his strength, miraculously, and say, God, whatever it is, God, your way. And sometimes we have instant results, doesn't it? Sometimes he jumps in there and he cleans house and he makes things right immediately. And that's what we like, don't we? But folks, the reality is sometimes he doesn't do that to us. I also know of another friend. Went to college with him. Just heard about him this week. 
We went to college at North Greenville. He married a young lady. She was a nurse. She got addicted to painkillers. She was a nurse that she had access to all the medicines. She got so addicted to those. Last year of her life, she's given nine months of her life to a counseling center up in North Carolina. And you know what, folks? I'm like you. You're asking the same question that I've asked. God, why? You, you healed Mr. Dennis immediately. Why wouldn't you heal this young lady who's got a little boy immediately too? You know what, folks? The word just said earlier, his ways are what? Unsearchable. His ways are higher than our ways. But listen to me, and here's the main point. Are we willing to say, God, I wait on you, and I'm going to depend on you, and then, God, I accept the terms. God, if it happens now, I'm going to trust you. But, God, if it happens nine months from now, I'm going to still trust you. It's hard, isn't it, folks? Or are you willing to say, God, I trust you? I want you to see what he says here. And we're going to. The Bible says, those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. That word for renew there literally means to exchange. So the passage is saying, if you'll wait on me, depend on me, accept and say, God, I'll let you do whatever you want to in my life. I will exchange your weak strength for my strength and my power. Folks, he's, God's not going to give you an energy bar just to get you by. God's going to give you his power and his strength. I love this book I read just a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, actually. And it's a story some of you young people may know. It's this book called um, Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. And one of his books is the dawn of the horse treader. And in that book, at the very first part of that book, there's a character that arises at the very beginning of the book. His name's Eustace. Eustace is a little brat, just to be honest. He's a, a little annoying little boy that is never happy, uh, always complains, always makes fun, always has criticism for his cousins, always critiques what they're doing, always whines about every situation that he gets in. And because of that, as they begin their voyage on the dawn treader, the the people on the boat begin pushing him away. They are tired of Eustace and his attitude and his bad attitude. It repels them. And so they find themselves in his presence, but they're just wait, ready for him to leave at any time. Have you ever met people like that? You're just like, thank you. I'll be nice to them in Jesus' names, but please, Lord, will you take them away? You know? And so that's the way Eustace was. They found themselves on a boat into a little island, and it was an enchanted island. Eustace got away from his cousins and away from the crowd and got on the mountaintop and began to descend on the mountaintop. And there he found a dragon's lair. As short of the story is, there was a dragon there that was dead. So he climbed into the lair because it was raining. And there he found money and all these things. And through that time, he took a little nap. And when Eustace woke up, Eustace realized that he was a dragon. It's a fictional book, by the way. I figured y'all knew that, but just in case. Um, he finds that he's a dragon. He reveals himself to his colleagues there, and they accept him, but he tells that, he can tell that his image is repulsive to them. He doesn't eat when they're around because he doesn't want to make them sick. He feels like he's so big and so ugly, he's always in the way. And for the first time, Eustace realized 
That the ugliness that used to be on the inside is now on the outside. And just as much as he used to repel them inwardly, now he's repelling them physically. And Eustace wants to be made new again. Eustace wants to be a boy again. And so at night when they would all go to sleep, Eustace would fall asleep as a dragon and cry himself to sleep. One night he went to sleep and he had a dream. And he dreamed that Aslan came. And many of y'all who have not read the story, Aslan is the picture of Christ. Aslan comes and he wakes him from the dream and he carries him up on the mountaintop. And there as they get up on the mountaintop, there's this big well with this beautiful water. And Eustace goes in and he sees this beautiful water, but he immediately sees this ugly picture of who he is. And Eustace so wants to be clean that he looks at Aslan and Aslan, Jesus says to him, you got to take your clothes off. Eustace looks at himself and he says, well, I have any clothes. What am I to do? And then he thinks about reptiles and how they pull a skin back. He says, maybe if I take a claw and I dig in, I can get one of these layers off of me. So he takes the claw and he reaches into his chest and he begins peeling back some of the scales. And slowly he begins to peel back and throw off scale after scale after scale. Until one layer of scale is off. He's so excited. He runs to the pool and he looks into his reflection, he's still a dragon. He goes back, he says, maybe there's another layer. And so he does it again. He reaches out of himself and he begins pulling back this old nasty layer of scales. He runs back to the well and again, he's still a dragon. He says, maybe one last time I'll do that. And he did it for a third time. Runs back to the well and sees a dragon. Eustace looked up at Aslan and Aslan says to him, listen to this, don't miss this. I must do it again. The most beautiful part of the story is he picks up this bulky dragon. He lays him on the table. And the book says that Aslan with his sharp claw reaches down to the depth of his soul. Almost piercing his very heart. And all with one swipe, he takes off the deepest layers of Eustace. He pulls it all back, picks up Eustace and throws him in the well. And listen, Eustace is made anew. And let me tell you tonight, that's exactly what God wants to do to you. There's some ugly junk in your life. And you have relied on your own strength for years and years and years to make it right. And God is saying, just let me. Young man, just let me, older lady, just let me, husband, wife, tear back your weak, weak power and strength. And let me clothe you with new, my power, my strength. You know, there's someone here tonight. Let's just be honest. Your spouse. Your marriage is at the very bottom right now. You feel like, I don't have any power. What once was love at wedding day is now nothing left. And I don't know that I can make it another day at my marriage. Can I tell you tonight? You can't, but God can. Can I tell you today? Person here tonight, and I, maybe I'm wrong. There may be some here tonight, and you're struggling with addiction too. 
And you've tried all the things that you could do on your own strength. You've tried to quit. You've tried to do different things to get away from it. But you have not been able to beat it. Let me tell you tonight, you can't do it on your own strength. But God can do it. Let me tell you, widow, tonight. Your spouse has went on to be with the Lord. And those days are so dark and lonely. And some days you just don't know if you could ever go on. He's gone, she's gone. Lord, I don't have any strength to go forward. Let me tell you, there's a God in heaven that cares just about about you as the stars that are in the sky. And he wants to give you power. No matter where you are today, folks, listen to me. God wants to give you his power and his strength. Will you wait on him? Will you say, God, I'm going to depend on you. God, and I'll let you do whatever you can, whatever you will in my life. You know, there's a final thing, and I want to mention this to you. I just can't help not to. This story was written for Israel. And one of the promises that he's given them is, Israel, one day, when you wait on me, I'm going to go to Babylon. And Israel, when I come to Babylon, Israel, you're going to rise up on wings like eagles. And Israel, I'm going to deliver you from all the exile you've been in. It's the same promise for you and I. Whatever you're in right now, God wants to deliver you, raise you up like an eagle out of that mess right now. And Israel, as you rise up and fly away, you're going to be able to walk all the way to Jerusalem, and you're not going to get weary. And Israel, you're going to walk into Jerusalem, and when you see the streets, you're going to run through Jerusalem, and you're never going to grow faint, Israel. I had a grandpa I loved dearly. He was a pastor. He loved the Lord, but he loved me. Problem with Grandpa is they had a bad heart. And I could hear, hear him say, Jonathan, I just, my old heart's wearing out. I'll tell you what. We went and saw him that day that he passed away. He was lying on his face. His chair was right here. His couch was right here. He had gotten up. And had, so help me. He had passed out like this. Like he was bowing. And listen to me, I believe with all my heart, my grandpa waited for the Lord. And because he waited for the Lord and he said, God, I depend on you. And because he believed in the Lord, I believe that day when he hit that couch, listen, he rose up on wings like eagles. And I tell you today, folks, he made it to the celestial city of Jerusalem. And now he's walking and he's not growing weary. He's running around Jerusalem and he's not growing faint. And folks, if we'll wait on the Lord here one day when our strength completely runs out and our life ends here today, listen, God will raise us up on wings like eagles. We'll be able to walk and not grow weary all the way to that celestial city of Jerusalem. And we'll be able to run through the streets of gold not grow faint. I don't know about you, but I want to wait on the Lord. Will you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Will you stand with me?